You're listening to The Open Podcasts. Hasn't hit me yet, so if it hits me during the speech, I'll go ahead and apologize. In the last 30 years, immensely talented young players have consistently come through to take the golfing world by storm. In the 1990s, it was champion golfers-to-be like Phil Mickelson, Ernie Els and Tiger Woods who represented a new generation of young, fearless players. But one player who belongs on that list showcased a commitment to golf's original major in his burgeoning years like few others. This American can play golf, no question of that. Justin Leonard, a man whose early career achievements rival those of any young player not named Tiger Woods, practiced dedication and focus in the Open, a championship he so desired to play in that it was truly worthy of his natural talent. That dedication and focus helped Leonard to claim the fabled claret jug. And the winner of the gold medal and the champion golfer for the year, Justin Leonard. Moment, please. I think it just hit me. This is Tales of the Open. This is the story of Justin Leonard. Leonard was born in Dallas, Texas in 1972 and first got into golf playing with his family. Growing up watching the Open Championship helped inspire a young Leonard who didn't need a second invitation to get out onto the golf course. My parents both played the game. My dad actually taught his parents how to play. He picked the game up in high school and college. So it was something that we kind of, we did as a family. I have an older sister, she didn't play, but I would go out on the weekends with my parents. And when I was little, you know, they kind of, I would just, they dropped me off in the cart and I would hit and play until they were done. And then I'd catch up to them. And finally I got to where I was hitting the ball far enough and playing well enough to where I could actually finish the hole and just developed a love for it. We were members at a, at a country club in Dallas, Texas, uh, Royal Oaks Country Club, and so I grew up there and spent all my time there. I mean, I, I played a couple other sports. I played soccer for four or five years. Uh, I played a couple seasons of baseball, but I always seemed to gravitate back towards the golf course. And finally, when I was about 13, I believe, I, I stopped playing the other sports and just concentrated on golf because that's where I wanted to be and then the open. And so, you know, when I was in junior high and high school, I would turn on the TV first thing in the morning and, and start watching. And, you know, the great thing about it was then it was done around one o'clock our time, and then I could go out and play. So it was kind of a perfect scenario. But just to see the golf course and see guys battling the golf course and the elements and all those things, I think my favorite rounds were the, were the really difficult rounds where it was blowing and raining and all that. The whole ambiance of it was something that was so different from everything that I'd watched prior to that. And so it's something that I certainly wanted to be a part of if possible. And fortunately, you know, I, I have been a part of it for a while. As Leonard continued to develop and improve, he attended the University of Texas and had a remarkable year in 1992, winning two of the world's oldest amateur championships in the Western Amateur and Southern Amateur before taking one of the top prizes in amateur golf at the U.S. Amateur Championship at just 20 years of age. 
won the amateur championship over there in 92. Leonard's victory at the US Amateur in 1992 ensured he was eligible to play in the Open Championship for 1993 at Royal St. George's. The experience was everything he had hoped for watching as a child, and a practice round with the champion-elect and a popular pro that year proved especially memorable, if not always, for the golf. Won the USA under 92, and I was able, I played in, in 1993, I played in the Masters, I played in the US Open, I played a couple other tour events, and then the Open. And so I I remember playing with Mark Rowe and Greg Norman in a practice round early in the week, which was fascinating because I had these two, you know, Greg Norman, who, you know, was at the top of the game or near the top and and certainly has a, a wonderful history at the Open. And then Mark Rowe, really funny, comedic, um, you know, he's now commentating like I am. And so I kind of had the two ends of the spectrum and it was phenomenal. I mean, I enjoyed them both. Mark Rowe introduced me to, to the toasty stand. Uh, I think it was like off the second or third tee or something. He goes, come on, let's go have some lunch. So he went over, he bought me a toast and brought it back, um, which, you know, in the U.S. it's a grilled cheese, but it was really, really good. And so uh, I remember playing with those guys. I remember playing with Norman and Butch Harmon was there following and talking with Butch Harmon a little bit. It was a great experience. And then um, I didn't play very well in the, you know, during the tournament Thursday and Friday, I missed the cut. At the 14th, Justin Leonard, who I think is not going to be here for the weekend, but enjoying whilst he is. Uh, played with Tony Jacklin the first two days. Conditions were tough. Royal St. George was a golf course like I had never seen. And I don't think I've seen one like that since. Um, it's just crazy, the undulation that's that you know, you've got to navigate to play well there. And, but it was a great experience and, and nice entry into my career over at the Open. Uh, I didn't play very well, but it didn't matter. It was just a great experience. After the Open in 1993, Leonard graduated from the University of Texas before turning professional the following year. After joining the paid ranks, Leonard accomplished what only a handful of players have ever done and earned his PGA Tour card through sponsors' invitations alone, further showcasing his potential to reach the very top of the game. While Leonard looked to set out his stall on the PGA Tour in 1995, he was keen to get back to the British Isles as soon as he could. He didn't have to wait long. So 1995 was my first full season and played well enough early in the year. I told myself if I played well early enough that I would go over and try and qualify for the Open because it was at St. Andrews in 95. And I played well early on to where I said, okay, I can take the time and go do that. So went over and back then uh, the qualifier was on Sunday and Monday, the weekend prior. And so I, I think I flew over maybe on Thursday Played Friday, played a practice, another practice round Saturday, and uh, and then fortunately played well enough to make it through. And I had a sense of what the week and what the golf looked like. And but to to be able to go over and qualify and play at St Andrews was um, just a great experience. Leonard is only 23 years of age from the United States and has been a pro for just a year. Won the amateur championship over there in '92. But the coming over and qualifying. Playing in those conditions, I think it certainly helped 
prepare me for 97, having played some links golf, having an idea. The the, the disadvantage of, of coming over to qualify was that I, I only had two days on the, the actual tournament course on St. Andrews and on, uh, I believe 96 was in Litham. And so it, it was hard to really get a sense of the golf course in just a couple of days. In successfully qualifying for the Open in 1995 and 1996, Leonard had illustrated his commitment to golf's original major and had shown a glimpse of his immense talent to the spectating galleries. Justin Leonard now, here's a new young player from the United States, second to the 15th. And another cracking shot from Leonard. One of the new breed of young players coming up in the United States. Like fellow Texans Lee Trevino, Bill Rogers, and of course Ben Hogan, Leonard had an innate ability to flight his ball down in the wind. No doubt, this young talent was one to watch. Charging on very nicely. You see, this is something that uh, a lot of the players are, are, are quite unused to, and that is a terrific one. After the Open in 1996, Leonard gained his first PGA Tour victory just two weeks later at the Buick Open, before carding top 10 finishes at the PGA Championship that year and the Masters Tournament the following spring. A second PGA Tour win came for Leonard at the Kemper Open in June of 1997. And as July came around, Leonard was fully exempt to play in the 126th Open Championship at Royal Troon. Scene that can only mean the Open Championship. Royal Troon this morning with play in the 126th Open already underway. So what history will be written in the next four days? Just some of the possibilities in an Open Championship that offers fascination and excitement as well as scenic beauty wherever you look. And as ever, here on the Ayrshire coast, the weather will provide part of the examination and we have a cool morning with a strong breeze from the northwest which emphasises the need to make a score on the first nine before turning into the wind on the notoriously difficult second nine. Now, with time on his side, Leonard was determined to leave no stone unturned in preparation for his fourth Open. And so, in 97 was the first year that I was exempt, and I came over early. I think I got in on Sunday morning, I wanted to really dive into the golf course and really just play a lot of holes and really truly understand it. It was the first time I was able to do that. And so I, pl- I think I played 80, 80 holes that week before the tournament even started. Uh, two of the days I played 18 and then I'd go out and play like 1, 2, 17 and 18. Or, you know, I'd get a ride out to 15 or something. I don't remember exactly the routing I played, but I just remember I played 80 holes. And I really did my work on the golf course rather than on the, you know, the practice grounds and things like that. And so I was, I was ready. I mean, I was geared in for, for 97. I had a really good sense of the golf course and how I needed to play it. And I was very comfortable there. You know, there's a different experience going over and playing in the open and, and not having to qualify. I, I felt like I was, I was in a, just a better place. I, I wasn't worn out because there's, those two qualifying days, obviously, if you don't make it through, uh, you're going home. And so you put a lot of energy into that in the preparation. 
Come Thursday, a cold and windy day awaited the players. But with 80 holes of experience under his belt already that week, Leonard started strongly. Now, Justin Leonard. Very famous team in Ireland. What a putt, though. What a lovely putt. Two under. That's a very good score. Justin Leonard, two under. That's at the 16th. Well, that was a birdie. Long putt for a birdie at the 16th. Yeah, the, the, the weather the weather on Thursday was difficult. The wind was blowing, and I, I remember playing well on the front nine. The back nine was so hard because the wind was, was almost straight in. I remember 18, I hit a, a, an okay drive, and I didn't make it to the fairway. I had to hit like a six iron down the fairway, kind of punch it out of the rough, and then hit a wedge on. Uh, but I remember saving par quite a few times. I didn't hit many greens on that back nine. I saved a bunch of pars. Justin Leonard of the United States. This is for a four, and he's a very good holder out under pressure. And a good round of 69, two under par. Anyone who can get under par here, or level par, today will not be that far behind the lead. By the close of play, Leonard found himself in tied third place, just two shots off the lead held by Darren Clark and Jim Furyk. On the Friday, overnight leader Clark shot a brilliant early 66 to set the clubhouse lead at nine under par. The late starters needed to keep pace, and Leonard most certainly did that. Friday, the weather eased up. The wind was, wasn't blowing quite as hard, and it changed a little bit of a direction and, and um, played really well on Friday. Justin Leonard at the fourth. On the par five fourth hole, an eagle putt. Slowly, it's back and in, beautifully done. Justin Leonard that moves him into third place on his own at five under par. Then on the par five sixth, Leonard provided more fireworks on the South Ayrshire coast. Justin Leonard, the Texan, his second to the sixth. Come on now, keep rolling. Hard to make it up. Crack to the pin, but a very good shot. Now, Justin Leonard, and this is for an eagle three. Oh, that's a beauty. Well, not that many, but that's a marvellous effort. Oh, well, he's done two eagles. A second eagle in three holes. And all of a sudden, Leonard was four under for his day through his first six. Another birdie would follow on the front nine, as the American turned in 31 strokes, now sitting just two shots off Clark's lead. Reminder of Darren Clark's splendid round of 66 earlier today that still leaves him two shots clear of the field, but two shots clear of Justin Leonard, who now has to tackle all the perils of the back nine after a splendid outward nine of 31. An even par back nine with standout birdies on 13. Just had a stumble on that previous hole. Six under par. Yeah. Lucky bounce to the second shot there. They're putting within range of the one putt. That's a lovely birdie there. There's not too many there on that 13th. And 16 gave Leonard a second round of 66 for a seven under total. Well, 
Peter Thompson had already given it. And he was quite right. This American can play golf, no question of that. He's in second place on his own, and he's just one behind Darren Clark. And earned the young American a third round pairing with halfway leader Clark. And now the final game Justin Leonard from the United States and Darren Clark. This is Leonard. And then Saturday, I remember I was paired with Darren Clark. which I was excited about. We had played in one of the qualifiers, either 95 or 96. We, we were paired together for the two days. And, and so being able to play with him, uh, I was disappointed with the way I played Saturday. Despite Leonard's confidence, preparation and beautiful potting over the first two days, moving day proved to be a rare frustrating day on the greens for the 25-year-old. Leonard opened with 10 straight pars, but could not buy a putt. As he watched Clark soar ahead to reach 13 under on the famous par 3 eighth. Here's another golden chance for the leader. And this for a two. Good putt. Good putt. Oh, that's a sensation. Sends him to 13 under. Oh. Look at all those Ulstermen there. Absolutely joyous. With Sweden's Jesper Parnovic tailing the red-hot Clark and with huge support greeting the Northern Irishman's every hold pot, Leonard was beginning to lose ground to the leaders. Justin Leonard at seven under par, Couples at five under par. Leonard and Couples going along so steadily but they just can't get the birdies. On the 11th hole, Leonard dropped his first shot before another bogey followed on the 12th taking the American back to five under and now seven strokes off Clark's lead with just 24 holes left in the championship. Now here's the chance again for his first birdie. Leonard continued to see birdie chances go by at the 15th. That, uh, I think it's getting worse. Whatever afflicts him is uh, taking over. And at the 16th. Now can Master Leonard get his first birdie of the day? Uh, not your day, sir. But still in fourth position. At five under. But on the difficult par three 17th hole, Leonard finally broke his Saturday duck. So, you see, he could pop this in and finish maybe 2-3. It's been done. And suddenly, many things can change. But he's got a putt here for a two to take him to six under. And at last, his hole a two on the 17th with a long hold pot was not just a much needed swing in momentum but would help Leonard set himself up for success on Sunday and I remember looking up at the at the leaderboard walking up 18 and uh, I saw Jesper and Darren were kind of out in front a little bit and then I, I saw Fred Couples' name there, and I said, well, if I par this hole, then I'll play with Fred, which would be a great pairing. And so I made par, um, but I remember being disappointed on Saturday. 
After the third round, Leonard sat at six under par alongside Fred Couples in the penultimate Sunday pairing. Three shots behind Clark in second place, who had faltered, and five strokes behind overnight leader Jesper Parnovic at 11 under. Despite Leonard's disappointment at his underwhelming third round, some sage advice from an inspirational figure proved to be the spark he needed to get back into a winning mentality. I went out, practiced a little bit. Saturday night, I was eating dinner at the hotel. As you know, with the tea times, it was probably nine, nine or 10 o'clock at night before I was able to get back and eat dinner. And, and um, Barbara Nicholas walked over to me and I didn't even see her coming. And she walked over to me and said, you know, you can still win this. Just go out and do it. And that really changed my whole mindset. From there on, I was done like licking my wounds and all that. And, and I was just thinking about the, the day ahead on, on Sunday and really kind of started to get in kind of, a, OK, what do I need to do, you know, strategy wise? And I need to play aggressive. I need to play really well on the front nine, four or five under and, and to, to try and close the gap a little bit and then see what happens on the back. And that's exactly what happened. I played a really good front nine. Needing a good start. Leonard followed an opening par with a birdie on the second hole. A birdie on the third hole. Oh, Justin Leonard making a move. And a birdie on the fourth hole to cart three red figures in a row, leapfrog Clark and close to within three shots of Parnovic's lead. A dropped shot on the par 3 fifth was a setback, but instantly, Leonard had a chance to get it right back shot on the sixth. The par 5 for Justin. After a perfect drive on the par 4 seventh hole, Leonard took dead aim with his approach. Now four under for his day after five birdies in his first seven holes, Leonard safely found the green on the postage stamp and had an outside chance to tie for the lead in the Open Championship. Eighth green, Justin Leonard will hear these roars. This is his putt for a two. It's a good one. It is hanging on the edge. If this hill wasn't here, the breeze would see it in. Just look how close this has come. It's had five birdies and that was almost another. Ten under in second place. Like the day prior, the ball would defy gravity to stay above ground. But unlike the day prior, Leonard was not to be halted. On the ninth hole, another great approach. Two behind is Justin Leonard playing his second now to the ninth. Of about 150 yards. Oh, that's a lucky kick, but I might have expected that. There's quite a large mound there on that right side. Now, he's had an extraordinary run. Yesterday, he couldn't buy a putt. He made only one birdie in his round yesterday. Yeah! Very simple. Lovely approach. 
Leonard had gone out in 31 strokes for the second time in three days and was now five under for his round and 11 under par for the championship. It's all pretty tight at the moment, Parnovic by one from Justin Leonard, who's gone out in 31, the best outward nine since Friday's second round, and he's a player with tremendous recent record in the majors. He's finished, what, uh, 36th, 5th and 7th in the three majors that he's played since missing the cut at Royal Lytham a year ago, and uh, he's a very dowdy competitor indeed. I remember birding nine and thinking, okay, this is good because now I'm going into this tough stretch. Ten, one of the more difficult, maybe the most difficult driving hole on the golf course. And maybe, I mean, it's certainly one of the most difficult driving holes I've ever played. Um, I, I missed the fairway there, missed the green. Judged it well, but it was a bit much to ask. He'll take his medicine, right down to five didn't get it up and down and I, I thought okay I'm not gonna let this you know 10's a hard hole 11's a hard hole I'm not gonna let it take my momentum and then uh, 11 I think I believe I got it in the fairway and left my second shot a little bit short of the green which is where you need to be um, kind of pitching up to it and pitched up and and I, I can't remember exactly how long the putt was five not a disgrace but in this situation a par would be superb but I, I just remember leaving the 11th um, with, you know, almost a sense of relief because they are so difficult. Well struck, well struck. Good escape. Way to go. Thank you. What a pack. little encouragement from couples. You know, 12 and 13 and 14, like, you've got some chances there to, if you can hit a good shot to make a birdie, or certainly it's not as difficult as 10 and 11. And so, um, I remember walking off the 11th green back to the 12th tee thinking, okay, I, to get through those holes, uh, those two holes, one over is not bad and I'm still in good position. Now at 10 under, Leonard would make three straight pars to reach the 15th hole just one stroke behind Parnovic. It was there where Leonard took a rare moment to relax. And it was there where the closing drama of the 126th Open Championship would begin. I remember hitting an okay drive and then I, yeah, I wiped my second shot way out short and to the right. Cause I just remember I didn't want to miss it left. I was trying to use the mound and kind of hook it in there, wiped it out to the right. And I remember it was over there by the marshal. He needs to carry it all the way if he can. Well, he's blocked that out to the right. He gets a fortunate bounce, which he hasn't got. No, he hasn't had the luck uh, that we saw Darren have. But there we're seeing now the mound that comes out, protrudes right out in front of the green, and he was trying to manipulate some sort of a shot around that and lost control of it. And he's down there, the little horseshoe I can see being formed. So it was, it was, it was probably there. right there. there yes. Was that Justin Lennon's ball being guarded very closely? Is the ball resting against somebody's foot and he's afraid to move? Pick the ball I think that's the key. Yep. Yep, pick the ball up. Now I can place it because we know exactly where it was. Yep. The foot is moved away. Taken relief and then um, I remember like it was nice because it was like I had a couple moments there to kind of relax for a few minutes and I wasn't grinding so much and there was there was a writer there from the U.S. and I remember I don't remember what I said but he recalled it a few years later 
and just how relaxed I seem in the moment. I said, well, I wasn't, but I was trying to. I was trying to relax and seeing him and saying something, it, it kind of helped me relax. And so, and then, so I took the drop and obviously I didn't hit a very good pitch. I think I left myself with like 15 feet or so. And I just remember I lost the sense of what was going on and where I was, and I was just really focused on trying to make the putt. Justin Leonard trying to save his par at the 15th. Struck it well. I made that putt and I thought, okay, this is great. Now I've got a par five. Um, you know, that's a difficult hole. And, and, you know, again, Jesper and Darren behind me, they still had to play it. Uh, and so the par five laid up off the tee. I think I hit a three wood off the tee, hit another good three wood up, you know, maybe 30, 40 yards short of the green, pitched it on to maybe eight or 10 feet. Again, it wasn't a great pitch. But the way I was putting that day, it almost didn't matter. Justin Leonard, who played a very moderate, in fact, the more you look down on it, you can see it rather a poor little pitch. But his control of the short game is usually excellent. Now, just one behind is to tie the lead. I didn't know exactly where I stood, but I knew I was, if I didn't have the lead, I was tied at that point. Um, and obviously with the guys now, they get to play the par five behind me. And so walking over to 17T, I thought, okay, this is, this is the kind of stuff that I, you dream of as a kid and the opportunity and this and that. And, and then as I got on the tee, I, I really kind of refocused and, and started thinking about, okay, what do I need to do on the 17th tee? Just trying to hit it in the middle of the green. Um, and it went about 35 feet or so past. And again, it was another one of those where I kind of lost consciousness or, or, you know, sight of the moment. You know, it was like, okay, this is, I've, I've got this right where I want it at this point. Leonard, long putt. Long putt for two, good speed. A near 50-foot pot on the 71st hole, mirroring that of Nick Price three years earlier, likewise against the luckless Parnovic, proved to be the fatal blow. The roar of Leonard's advance put a weight of pressure upon Parnovic that the Swede could not overcome. Jesper, you'll have heard that roar. When I was on 18T, 16 green is right there. And I heard a, a pretty loud groan. And I, I figured that at that point, either Jesper or Darren had missed a pretty makeable putt. I didn't know exactly what it was for or anything. And I thought, okay, I'm just gonna focus in on, on playing a clean hole here on the 18th. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll figure out when I'm done exactly where I stand. That was 
rather sad. Now, this young man here, four at the last, might see him champion. A short putt to match Leonard's birdie on the 16th slipped by, and a loose tee shot on the 17th put an end to Parnovic's chances. Leonard wasn't a no at the time, but his walk to the 18th green, which he had found safely in regulation, was the walk of a champion golfer. safe power on 18 and Leonard had won the Open Championship. An eventual three-stroke victory over Clark and Parnovic had come despite trailing the pair for the majority of the previous two days. Leonard's preparation and his perseverance had paid off. Just totally surreal and, and trying to kind of take stock in the day and then, you know, I finally let myself kind of breathe and relax uh, probably for the first time since, you know, the hitting before hitting that pitch on 15, um, when I had a couple minutes, but just to kind of relax and take it in and, you know, okay, what is this, what are the next three hours look like? Like what, what happens, the whole process of it? Um, all of a sudden Tom Kite was there and he had driven to the airport. He was captain of the Ryder cup team for the U S in 97. And he came back when he saw that I was going to win he came back to congratulate me. So I, I had a, a great visit with him and he kind of welcomed me to the Ryder Cup team. Uh, and then, you know, just watching Darren and Jesper finish and and um, just got ready for, you know, the, the, uh, the ceremony on the 18th green. From a position of surreal disbelief and joy, Leonard was thrust into the presentation ceremony. Still in amazement, Leonard was able to compose himself to deliver what is considered to be one of the finest victory speeches in Open Championship history. And the winner of the gold medal and the champion golfer for the year with a score of 272, Justin Leonard. Well, it, I was just, I was buzzing. I don't think I walked onto the 18th green. I kind of just floated across the green. Yeah, I, I was, I feel fortunate because I was just given kind of presence of mind to, to just convey my thoughts. Need a few notes. Hasn't hit me yet. So if it hits me during the speech, I'll go ahead and apologize. 
few people I'd like to thank from the championship committee. Billy McLaughlin, the, the superintendent, uh, thought the course was just fabulous this week. I, I think all of the players will agree with that. And, um, you know, I don't know if you have control of the weather, but if you do, nice job. Mr. Benalek, thank you for all your preparations and for allowing me to come over here and, and get a chance to play. Um, I came over the, the last two years to qualify and was fortunate enough to qualify for the championship. And uh, hopefully I won't have to again, but if, if I do, I'll come. I'd also like to congratulate Jesper and Darren they're both wonderful players. They both uh, deserve to win this tournament. I think it was just, it happened to be my week, and, and, uh, but I, I'm sure that both these players will win many more tournaments and many more majors. And uh, you know, I just feel fortunate to have been able to do what I did against two great players. And then when I started to think, uh, kind of for the first time, I thought of my parents, uh, my coach, Randy Smith. That's when I, I started to get choked up and it kind of set in uh, what I had done. As some of you know, uh, I'm here alone this week. It's just myself and my caddy, Bob Reifke. Moment, please. I think it just hit me. Um, but to everybody, uh, my family, all my friends in Dallas, Randy Smith, my instructor. I know they're kicking themselves, but this isn't some place you can just, you know, catch a five o'clock flight. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting home. I, I know they're having a really fun time right now. And uh, so I'll make sure I get some Advil on the way from the airport for them. And uh, it's a shame they couldn't be here, but at the same time, maybe that helped me focus a little bit. So anyways, this, uh, you know, I know they're here with me in spirit, and that's really all that matters. Thank you. It was in that moment, you know, where I had to kind of step away. I mean, a little bit like Dustin Johnson at the Masters where all of a sudden it started to set in and, and I'm not usually a one for a loss of words, but in that moment, I just couldn't, um, I had to kind of just wait for, for a couple of minutes and it seemed like 10 minutes, it was probably 20 seconds, but I, I just had to kind of compose myself as I started to think about them. And, and um, so it was a special moment. I really, I hear more about the, the speech that I gave there on the 18th green than about any of the shots that I played that day. And, you know, that's something that I'm, I'm happy and, and proud of. Hours later, 
Leonard was finally able to celebrate with his caddy on the green that played a huge role in his place in history. That is true. So after after going to the you know the the press center and and doing interviews and things like that and you know you go through the whole process and then I remember finally getting back to the locker room and again at this point it's late it's probably nine ten o'clock at night and my caddy was still there I said okay go over to the hotel order a couple of pints and a couple of pizzas and we're gonna go sit on the 17th green he's like all right you know had the claret jug and and I went in and, and called my parents for the first time called Randy Smith talked to them for a few minutes and then when I walked out it was perfect timing because my caddy had a, a you know a tray of pints two pizzas so we had a nice dinner there a very nice peaceful dinner on the 17th green and we didn't spill a drop <laughs> after his open victory the Texans progression continued upwards far from suffering a major hangover Leonard entered the final round of the very next major, the PGA Championship at Winged Foot, tied for the lead with Davis Love III, seven strokes clear of third place. It was not to be Leonard's day, but a clear-cut final round duel in a major championship boosted Leonard's profile further, as did a debut appearance in the Ryder Cup at Valderrama later in the year. A top 10 at the Masters in 1998 accompanied a victory in the Players' Championship, a result that propelled him to sixth in the world rankings. By now, Justin Leonard was truly one of the world's best, still all at the age of 25. Leonard made the cut in his defence of the Open in 1998, but he had bigger desires in golf's original major. Heading into Carnoustie then, in 1999, Leonard was in good form and knew he could compete again to win the Open in what would go down as one of the most notoriously difficult golfing championships ever played. Oh, it was. I'd never seen anything like that. You know, the golf course is wonderful, but just it's been a really wet spring and summer. And the fescue, there was a layer of rough underneath the fescue that was six and seven inches deep in some places. And and I remember on Wednesday, they were actually trying to mow it back. Uh, the sixth fairway had an area that pinched in past the landing area and kind of near where you might have to lay up if you miss the fairway. And they were trying to mow it back and give us some space. Um, so it was just a brutal setup. And I thought, you know what, if this is my kind of deal here where uh, you've got to put the ball in the fairway, there's no... You can't you can't miss it offline, and otherwise it's trying to find it and then trying to figure out a way to get it back into the fairway. And so, I really liked the the way the course set up and how difficult it was, and I thought it really set up well for for my game. The entire week, whether you were playing well or not, um, it was a grind. And I just remember that I was gonna do everything I could not to make a, a big number. Um, you know, if you miss the fairway, just get it back in play, figure out a way to make a bogey, you know, maybe give yourself a chance for par, but try not to make worse than bogey. And, and, um, it was one of those weeks where you just had to be really patient and, and kind of understand that you were going to make some bogeys. Just one of those weeks where you just got to grind the entire time. And I, I love that part of it. Grinding it out, Leonard secured a good first round of 73 and was just two shots back of the lead on a day where no player broke par. 
Two further solid rounds would follow, and positioned at five over par on Saturday evening, Leonard was in a tie for second and five shots back of Jean van de Velde's lead heading into Sunday. Justin Leonard. Former Open champion starts off very nicely indeed. Yeah, I was five back going into Troon. I was five back going into the players on the last day, playing in the next to last group. I could play more aggressively, and so I that was a position that I was that I was very comfortable with. Hello once again from Carnoustie for one of the great days on the world sporting calendar, the final day of the Open Championship, the 128th Open, and all of those people wondering whether the little-known Frenchman Jean van der Velde can hold on to the five-shot lead he holds going into today's final round. So it's Jean van der Velde leading by five from Paris, and Leonard, what a wonderful day's golf awaits us. Moving into the final round, Leonard had a sense of déjà vu. Like in 1997, he was chasing down a player five strokes ahead of him, positioned in the group behind, and in need of a fast start. At Carnoustie, however, in 1999, pars, not birdies, would provide the move required up the leaderboard. Five of the requisite pars instantly brought Leonard closer, before he faced a long putt on the sixth to move within striking distance. Huge putt for Justin Leonard at the sixth for birdie. Putt breaks just slightly. Yes! Justin Leonard making his move. And he goes to plus four. One under for the day. Just finding a way to to play each hole as best I could, and, and it was... It really wasn't the time. I mean, I, I remember watching the leaderboard a little bit just to see what was going on, but couldn't get wrapped up in that. Um, that was, you know, the golf course and the conditions were so brutal that, um, you know, it, it, I don't think you did any yourself any good by looking at a leaderboard that day. On the 14th hole, Leonard was still level for his day and now faced a pot to take him back to four over for the championship and into a tie for the lead with Van de Velde. Biggest putt all day for Leonard, and he holds it. Justin Leonard at plus four, one under today. Tied for the lead. But a bogey on the following hole put Leonard on the back foot once more. Justin Leonard for a par at the 15th, and a big putt, a big putt slips by, drops a shot. So he goes to five over, and at this moment, Van der Velde has a two-shot lead again. And this really is becoming, well, almost nail-biting stuff. Solid play from Van der Velde from then on in meant that when approaching the treacherous par 4 18th, Leonard knew he had no choice but to go for broke. And I knew I was two back. And I heard applause. He was on 17, which is right across the way. And, and I heard applause after he hit his second shot. So I knew he'd hit it on the green. Figure, okay, I've got to make birdie. And I was in the left rough, but had a, a had an okay lie. 
Um, I don't remember what my yardage was, but I just remember thinking, okay, if I'm going to make a birdie, I've got to, you know, I've, I've got to hit three wood here and hope, hope it comes out well, hope I can get lucky and, and get it up there either on or around the green where I can either, you know, make a putt or chip it in. Now Leonard is taking a chance. He's heard the roars. This is a brave effort here. He must carry the burden. 200 yards to carry the burn, or one to jump it, and he's in it. Well, he threw caution to the wind. If he was going to win the championship, he felt certain he had to make a three. And now he might scramble out of it with a five. Obviously, I didn't pull it off. I mean, the ball barely made it into the burn that fronts the green. It, you know, I think it bounced two or three times, then, then went in. You know, at that point, it's like, okay, a little dejected. See, it's, it's probably easy to say. I think that's just bad thinking on his part. It wasn't lying well. He, he, with his wonderful short game, he could still have got a pitch and a putt. He knows the dangers that are bound. Vandervelde is of a slightly delicate disposition when it comes to the real cauldron of excitement. He's getting away with it. He's, nobody's pressurizing him at the moment. And I think uh, Justin will rule that choice of club. But I thought, okay. Paul Laurie is in the clubhouse. Let's get this up and down and, and you know, tie for second. 28 yards up the green. And that's a typical shot from the man. So hit a good pitch from, you know, whatever it was, 40, 50 yards. And now here is Justin Leonard for his five. Made the putt. And in doing that, he gets a five. He and Paul Laurie of Scotland. The sad Luke Peter, you can understand it. He took a gamble at the, on the second shot of the 18th. Yes, and, uh, well, I believe it was the wrong uh, policy at the time because he's got such a beautiful uh, game from about 80 or 100 yards. But uh, it's, there's certainly work to do for John. Leonard and Paul Laurie were tied in the clubhouse at six over par, three shots behind leader Van de Velde, but before Leonard had even left the scorer's tent, he knew a playoff was afoot. Went in the clubhouse, or went into the, the scoring trailer, and, um, you know, as I was signing my card, he was teeing off on 18. And I remember watching all of it unfold, and I just sat there in awe, like everybody else, thinking, you know, What's going on here? Well, you do. I don't believe this. Well, let's have another look at uh, Vanderbilt's second. Never crossed my mind he was going to clatter into the grandstand and hit the face of the grandstand and bounce backwards. There it goes. There, misses everybody. And you see, misses the bounce on, on the stonework on the edge of the burn and then goes back into the hay behind, which is extraordinary. This is so, 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 so sad and so unnecessary. This could end up with a, a playoff between Laurie and Leonard and he not even involved in it. There are moments when you really don't know what to say. The fellow had a three-shot lead. Ten minutes ago, he gets away with murder off the tee, and then 
he's, he's surely not going to go and climb down in there and try to whack it out of there. No, no, that would be, that would be, that would be totally ridiculous. Now, what are you doing? Would somebody kindly let him go and stop him? Give him a large brandy and hop him down. Oh, these are unbelievable scenes. No, this this really is beyond a joke now. He's he's, he's gone gaga because this is uh, this is quite. I've never seen anything like it before, and to attempt to hit the ball out of there is pure madness. There aren't many moments like that in sports where you just go, okay. I mean, the whole took it must have taken 30 minutes to play. Um, because the drops and things like that, and there I was right in the middle of it. And, and finally after he, he, I don't know what number shot, maybe his fifth shot into the bunker. He played a solo shot to the one he plucked in for the bird, he just didn't accelerate through. Now, down the two from the bunker. To force a playoff, or get his forces way into the playoff. Justin Leonard, 20 minutes ago, must have thought, well, that's it. I thought, okay, we're he's got to get this up and down. You know, if he doesn't hold it, I'm going to be in a playoff whether he gets it up and down or not. So at that point, I left and I went over, you know, got a ride over the driving range because I didn't play very well that day. Justin Leonard just tuning up. He didn't believe it. I wonder if he's thinking maybe I should have uh, laid up at 18. Well, there it is, at uh, six over par, three players, and would you have ever believed that was going to happen? One of the most shocking moments in golfing history had presented Leonard with a second chance. I wanted to try and hit a few balls and see if I could just find a little something that, you know, might click for me for the playoff. Justin Leonard on the practice and he's using the driver. He's not just warming up with pitch shots, he's keeping the full swing going. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, but I remember Paul Laurie was over there. Uh, he was already on the range and, and he'd shot an amazing round that day. And um, so they drove us out to the 15th tee and we waited out there. It seemed like five or 10 minutes for for Vanderville to show up. I think he may have gone to the hotel to change clothes or something. And and um, obviously he needed, you know, he also needed some time just to try and collect himself. And it was strange because nobody was expecting a playoff. So we went out to the 15th tee and there was literally nobody there. It, you know, nobody was expecting that. You know, there's times when you can kind of prepare for it and get in the mindset, but for me, you know, the disappointment on 18 and then to try and turn around and, and um, get back in, in kind of a competitive mindset. You know, I tried to do it. I didn't do a very good job. And again, I didn't play great on that Sunday. So um, unfortunately, that play kind of continued in the playoff. I think we all hit it left on 15. Um, it took us a long time to play it, you know, trying to hack it out and then hit it up there by the green. And then, you know, from there on, you know, Paul just played beautifully, 16 and 17 and again on 18. So um, it, was, it was disappointing, but again, it was kind of one of those things where we really shouldn't have been there. So it wasn't, you know, yeah, if I'd known, hey, if I make, if I just find a way to make a par on 18, 
Um, if I was in the last group and knew that, I, it would have been more disappointing. But um, you only can play, hit a shot with the circumstances that you're facing at that point. I knew I was too back at the point, so figured I had to make a birdie. Um, but again, it was still it was a close call, and and um, uh, it would have been nice to get that get that claret jug for the second time. Although Leonard came up just short in 1999, with Paul Laurie eventually claiming a playoff victory in sensational style. The American had again shown his pedigree at the Open Championship. After 1999, Leonard would win eight more times on the PGA Tour and come close to winning another PGA Championship in 2004, again losing in a playoff. As for the Open, however, Leonard produced many a consistent week, but throughout the first decade of this century, he was just a few steps short from a second claret jug, particularly in 2002 and 2009. 2002 at at Muirfield made the cut, you know, kind of just on the number, um, wasn't playing great and went out Saturday and played a nice round. I think I shot four under par or something like that. And then as I was finishing, you could see this storm start to roll in and it just, it was, you know, havoc the rest of the day. And, you know, by the end of the day, I picked up 30 spots and I was in the top 10 or whatever. And, and, uh, just a couple shots out of the lead. And so, you know, I, and played a good round on Sunday. It wasn't good enough, unfortunately, uh, and then oh nine I played I played well uh, but yeah I certainly thought after 99 and 02 that in major championship golf that was probably the the tournament best suited for me just because I really enjoyed the, the conditions you could put the ball on the ground uh, length wasn't as big a factor at most of the courses and I just being a past winner there I just always look forward to going back over there Since 2010, Leonard began to play less and less frequently, taking more time to spend with his wife and children. Leonard last played a full schedule on the PGA Tour in 2015 and moved into golf broadcasting that same year. Now 48, Leonard has been working as a golf broadcaster for five years and is happy that he gets to enjoy the experience of the Open each and every year, despite last playing in 2016. One of the reasons I'm I'm okay not playing because I'm still there. I, I still feel like I'm a part of it. Um, I can I feel like I add value because I've been in those situations and played the golf courses and and um, I know what it's like to win and I know what it's like to lose uh, at the open. And so I think, I enjoy being a part of it from that aspect. I don't necessarily miss going over there to play. You know, I tell people sometimes that when they ask, like, why don't I go play? I say, what am I going to do? Like, practice for a week or two, and I'm going to go over and shoot a couple of 78s. Like, that doesn't sound like fun to me. This way, I get to go over there and talk about it and um, and be a part of it, and it's, it's a great week. And so I, I enjoy that aspect of it. I don't know if I'll play in it again. Uh, At this point, I don't think so, but who knows? We'll, We'll see where it goes. 
Leonard believes he may one day play in the Open again. But after making 22 appearances, from an amateur and a keen qualifier, to a returning champion golfer for most of his career, Leonard's record in golf's original major is stellar. A talented young player from Texas, who accomplished with grace a childhood dream in 1997, Justin Leonard will always be an open champion. That place in history has made all of Leonard's hard work more than worthwhile. To me, it, it gave me a place in the history of the game that will carry on and, and go on forever, long after I'm gone from this earth. My kind of place in history of the game of golf is cemented alongside the, the best players to, to ever play. And to be a part of that uh, is something that I'm very proud of. It's something that my family is proud of. Um, you know, my, my kids talk about it from time to time. And, and, um, and so it's, uh, it's just kind of knowing that I'm forever a part of that history. This has been an original audio production from The Open.